0: Sometimes it happens because we have wrong expectations. We think God has promised something that he hasn't and we get disillusioned when it doesn't happen. Sometimes we think the blessings of the new creation will be here today and we're disappointed when we don't experience all of them now. Sometimes it happens when we go through suffering. And when we suffer, we wonder if God really is there. It feels like he's abandoned us. And we wonder if God could possibly be fulfilling his promise that all things work together for the good of those who love him, because they don't seem to be working for us that way now. Sometimes when we go through grief or pain, it seems unbearable. And we cry out, How long, O Lord? How long is this going to last? We want our hurt to be over, our anguish to cease. Ultimately, we do want God to bring in a new creation, where there is no more death or mourning or crying or pain. Where we will be in perfect relationship with each other and, and with God forever. We want Him to show us His perfect love. We want God to fulfill His promises. Sometimes And it's a psalm that affirms that God is indeed faithful to his promises. Well, at least it starts off that way, doesn't it? And the psalmist begins by vowing to declare God's love eternally. In verse 1 he says, I will sing of the Lord's great love forever. With my mouth I will make known your faithfulness throughout all generations. The words translated great love there is the, the Hebrew word hesed. is the word that means loyal love, steadfast love. A love based on prior relationship. A love that does not fail. A devotion, a kindness, an affection that is altogether faithful. And so the psalmist affirms that God is trustworthy. His faithfulness, as we sang earlier, endures on and on. Great is thy faithfulness, the psalmist says. And he would proclaim it to generation upon generation. Verse 2. I will declare that your love stands firm forever. That you established your faithfulness in heaven itself. Friends, that's the way God's love and faithfulness are. Thoroughly sure and steadfast and dependable. No matter what happens, God's love is secure. Love never fails. And God's love is expressed in promises one of the biggest promises that God made in the Old Testament was his covenant with David. Our covenant is a a solemn agreement between two parties based based on promises. And King David, uh, he was arguably the greatest king of Israel, ruled about 1000 BC. And in 1 Samuel 7 we read of God's promises to David. God promised David that he would have a dynasty that would be secure, that he would always have a son on the throne. And the psalmist reminds God of that promise in verses 3 to 4. He says... You said, I have made a covenant with my chosen one. I have sworn to David my servant. I will establish your line forever. And make your throne firm through all generations. It's a great promise indeed, isn't it? A firm and sure one. But can God keep his promises? Is he powerful enough to do so? Or can his hand be thwarted? Could someone else or something else get the better of him? Well, the answer is, God is sovereign. First of all, there are no heavenly beings that are greater than he. No spiritual powers that can rival him because He's the creator and ruler of everything. Verses 5 to 8. The heavens praise your wonders, O Lord, your faithfulness too in the assembly of the holy ones. For who in the skies above can compare with the Lord? Who is like the Lord among the heavenly beings? In the council of the Holy Ones, God is greatly feared. He is more awesome than all who surround Him. O Lord God Almighty, who is like You? You are mighty, O Lord, and Your faithfulness surrounds You. See, Yahweh, God, He is greater than any angels or spiritual powers. There is no one in His league. No heavenly being can stop him from being faithful to his promises. But what about the universe? What about things in the material world? Can his plans be thwarted by uh, the things of nature? Or by accidents? Or by chance? Well, verses 9 to 14. You rule over the surging sea. When its waves mount up, you still them. You crushed Rahab like one of the slain. With your strong arm you scattered your enemies. The heavens are yours and yours also the earth. You founded the world and all that is in it. You created north and south. Tamar and Hermon sing for joy at your name. Your arm is endured with power. Your hand is strong. Your right hand exalted. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Love and faithfulness go before You see, God is the creator and ruler of the world. Yahweh, he holds everything in his hands. Nothing escapes his plan. Nothing, not even the, the tossing of the sea is beyond his control. His sovereign power is absolute and it's based on righteousness and justice. And so his love and his faithfulness are secure. Now, because of that, the psalmist says, because nothing in, in nothing in the, in the physical world, nothing on the spiritual being, nothing can nothing can. God God is greater than all those things. God is sovereign over all those things. And because God is loving and faithful, and, and nothing can stop His plans, then those who trust in Him, those who belong to Him, are indeed blessed. Verses 15 to 17. Blessed are those who have learned to acclaim You, who walk in the light of Your presence, O Lord. They rejoice in Your name all day long. They exalt in Your righteousness, for You are their glory and strength and by your favor you exalt our horn. Indeed, our shield belongs to the Lord, our King, to the Holy One of Israel. You see, if God is sovereign, and he's really faithful in his love, then those who have his promises are secure. They enjoy him forever, living in his presence, rejoicing in his goodness, wallowing in his love. He is their glory, the thing they set their hearts on. And he, in verse 17, exalts their horn. Now the horn there is not the thing that you go, beep, beep, in your car, you know, when someone cuts you. It's, the horn in the Bible is a symbol of strength. It's particularly the strength of kingship here. And verse 18 confirms this, because the shield that belongs to the Lord is the king It belongs to the Holy One. So not only are the people who love God blessed by him, but, but their king is exalted by him. For the king of God's people belongs to him. He is their king, first of all, because he is God's king. Which brings us back to the covenant with David. Listen to what the psalmist says about the promises in verses 19 and 20. He says, Once you spoke in a vision to your faithful people, you said, I have bestowed strength on a warrior. I have exalted a young man from among the people. I have found David my servant with my sacred oil, oil I have anointed him. God chose David. God anointed him and made him king. And God himself would empower him. Who would give him victory over his enemies. In verse 21 to 25 My hand will sustain him. Surely my arm will strengthen him. No enemy will subject him to tribute. No wicked man oppress him. I will crush his foe before him and strike down his adversaries. My faithful love that that chesed, that, that, that steadfast, loyal love, in verse 24, will be with him. Through, his, through my name, his horn will be exalted. And I will set his hand over the seas, his right hand over the rivers. His, his empire would extend across the world, way beyond the borders of Israel. And furthermore, verse 26, he will call out to me, you are my father, my God, the rock, the, my saviour. I will appoint him my firstborn, the most exalted of the kings of the earth. That is, he's the heir, he's the regent, he's the one who rules the world for God. I will maintain my love to him forever, verse 28. And my covenant with him will never fail. That steadfast love, that hesed is again in verse 28. The covenant will never fail. I will establish his line forever. It's throne, as long as heaven exists. What an incredible promise to David and his son. A throne forever and ever. Now, this doesn't mean that all of David's descendants will be righteous. There may be individual descendants of David who fail to keep God's law and God will punish them as, as part of his steadfast love. But that one his change his promise to ultimately bless And it won't change his promise to David that the throne will last forever. Verse 30-34 to If his sons forsake my law and do not follow my statutes, if they violate my decrees and fail to keep my commandments, I will punish their sin with a rod, their iniquity with flogging. But I will not take my love from him, nor will I ever betray my faithfulness. I will not violate my covenant, or alter what my lips have uttered. Sovereign God, the faithful, living God promises this. He made an oath and he would keep it. Verse 35. Once for all I have sworn by my holiness, and I will not lie to David, that his line will continue forever, and his throne endure before me like the sun. It will be established forever like the moon, a faithful witness in the sky. That's a pretty secure covenant, isn't it? Sworn by God's unholiness, founded on God's love and faithfulness, as sure as the sun and the moon and the sky are there, David and his sons will reign. Now Psalm 89 could have ended there, and it would have been a very good psalm. psalm that speaks eloquently of God's love and faithfulness, the security of God's promises, the delight we have in living under his rule. But it doesn't end there. In fact, in the very next verse, it takes an ugly turn. It's like, it's like being in a beautiful dream that, that suddenly turns into a nightmare. Because the psalmist says that the, that the rhetoric doesn't match up to the reality. The promises are simply not being fulfilled. All the talk about God's steadfast love is, is just talk. When push comes to shove, God has let his people down. God is still sovereign, but, says the psalmist, he hasn't kept his promises. Verse 38. You have rejected, you have spurned, you have been angry with your anointed one. The very king that you anointed, now you have cast off. You have vented your wrath on him. You have disdained, you have scorned, you have abandoned the covenant. And left him in disgrace. Verse 39. You have renounced the covenant with your servant. You have defiled his crown in the dust. You have broken through all his walls and reduced his stronghold to ruins. The defences of the king are gone. And God himself, his his supposed defender, has torn them down, left him defenceless. And so with no defence, verse 41, all who pass by have plundered him. He's become the scorn of his neighbour. The God who was supposed to exalt his king has now exalted his enemies. Instead of giving victory to the king, he gives it to those who hate him. Verse verse 42, you have exalted the right hand of his foes. You have made all his enemies rejoice. You have turned back the edge of the sword. You have not supported him in battle. You have put an end to his splendor and cast his throne to the ground. You have cut short the days of his youth. You have covered him with a mantle of shame this king has been given up to death and disgrace. Friends, this psalm reflects the anguish, doesn't it? Of the godly Israelite? Because God did give all those promises to David and yet his king was defeated and taken away. In 587 B.C., After a long and miserable siege, the Babylonian army broke through the city wall and marched into Jerusalem. The sons of Zedekiah, the last Davidic king, were killed before his eyes. And then his eyes were gouged out, so that would be the last thing he saw. And then he was taken in shackles to Babylon, where his nephew, the previous king, was already in captivity. And there was never a son of David on the throne in Jerusalem again. God's promises to David had come to nothing. How would you feel if you were one of the Israelites? God had made all these promises to David. He had trusted God to keep his promises. And now it seems he hasn't. The throne of David is empty. Empty it would remain. Even in the time of the New Testament, the only king was there, was King Herod, a puppet of Rome, with not a drop of Davidic blood in his veins. Could you have trusted God when it looked like he failed to keep his promises? Could you have continued to pray that one day he would, Would you have kept the faith, knowing that in spite of everything you see, everything you understand from history and the world around you, God still is faithful? That somehow or other, in a way that you couldn't possibly imagine, God would still keep his promises. Would you be able to believe that? And so cry out to him, and beg him, and plead with him to do it quickly? Would you have been able to say, God, I don't know what you're doing, I don't understand, I know that you're loving, and your faithfulness endures on and on, but, but I can't reconcile that with the way things have worked out now. Lord, would you please do something? And would you please do it soon? I can't bear this any longer. That's what the psalmist did. Unbelief would have walked away from God when it seemed like he'd failed. It's faith that cries out to him in despair. How long, O Lord? Verse 46. How long, O Lord, will you hide yourself forever? How long will it go on like this? How long will you fail to act? How long will you ignore us? How long will you punish us for our sin by hiding yourself from us? How long, verse 46, will your wrath burn like fire? And the psalmist begs God to act so. Because life is short. Verse 47. Remember how fleeting is my life. For what futility you've created all men. What man can live and not see death? Save himself from the power of the grave. See, soon the psalmist will die. And his life would have been short and useless. Soon he'll be in the cemetery. And if God did not act soon, then that would be the end for him. All he would see is broken promises. Verse 49. O oh Lord, where is your former great love? Which in your faithfulness you spoke you swore to David? Where is it? It's gone. And so instead of rejoicing in God's name and enjoying God's victory, the Psalmist is the, the butt of the taunts of God's enemies. Verse 50 Remember, Lord, how your servant has been mocked. How I bear in my heart the taunts of all the nations. The taunts with which your enemies have mocked, O Lord. which With which they have mocked every step of your anointed one. Remember, O Lord, how your servant has been mocked. In the midst of the pain, in the midst of the turmoil, in the midst of the disgrace, what the psalmist wants from God is for God to remember him. He wants God to notice his plight and take action. But in spite of all that is going through, in spite of all the seemingly broken promises, in spite of all the pain and the shame, the psalmist blesses the Lord. And he ends on a note of praise. Verse 52. Praise or blessed be, praise to the Lord forever. Amen and amen. He says, blessed be your name. Even in the bad times, even when it looks like you haven't been faithful, I still trust you. Blessed be your name. My friends, that's faith. He does not curse God, he blesses God. What about us? Will we trust God when things don't go the way we think they ought to? Will we trust God when it seems like he's forgotten us? When the darkness closes in and it feels like his promises are coming to naught? When the God who says he loves us feels like he's a million miles away? Will we trust him? Will we trust him enough to call out to him and say, Oh Lord, how long? How long until you fulfill your promises? How long till, till you bring in the new creation? How long until you put an end to the pain and turmoil of this world? Before you put everything right? How long, O oh Lord, before we see your face? Remember us, O oh Lord. Remember and act. But until then, even in my pain, I will not curse you. I will not walk away. Blessed be your name. Friends, the psalmist wasn't wrong to trust in God in the midst of disappointment. Because, in spite of how it seemed, God was fulfilling his promise to David. He was doing it in a way the psalmist could never have imagined. Listen to what the angel Gabriel said to Mary, the mother of Jesus, just before he was conceived in Luke chapter 1. You will be with child. And give birth to a son and you shall give him the name Jesus. He will be great and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And his kingdom will never come to an end. Brothers and sisters, Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of God's promises today. God hadn't let his people down. He hadn't forgotten his people. And he sent them the Savior. Jesus is the anointed one. The king. The Messiah. He died but was raised to life as king of Israel. And not only king of Israel. But the king of the world of all. His kingdom is one that is established forever. His rule will never end. He is the firstborn over all creation. He is the king forever and ever. God fulfilled his promise to David in him. And that's why Paul says in Acts chapter 13, he says, we tell you the good news. What God promised our forefathers, he has fulfilled for us their children by raising Jesus from the dead. so, friends, because of Jesus, we know that God's, God's covenant love, His faithful and loyal love is secure. In Christ, God's glory is revealed. His grace, His faithfulness is shown. And so we live in certain hope, the God of truth, our fortress strong. We know for sure that His steadfast love never ceases. And we can be confident that no matter how things go, He is faithful. He has kept his promises in Jesus, even though it looked like he wasn't going to. And he will continue to keep all his promises through him. Because every promise of our God finds its yes in Jesus Christ. My friends, there's another way that this psalm finds its fulfillment in Jesus. Oh look, again at the... End of verse 51, which gives us a clue. Notice who the I there in the psalm is. We'll we'll start from verse 50. It says, Remember, Lord, how your servant has been mocked, how I bear in my heart the taunts of the nations, the taunts with which your enemies have mocked, O Lord, in which they have mocked every step of your anointed one. See, the I there who is taunted is the anointed one. The psalm is placed on the lips of the of the king. It's a psalm that can be said by, by the Davidic king. And we look at the psalm again and we ask how it functions on the lips of the ultimate Davidic king, the Lord Jesus. In verses 1 and 3, if Jesus was to, was to read this psalm, he would be declaring the faithfulness of his father. And in fact for all eternity he will testify to the father's faithful love. In verses 3 to 37, he speaks of the covenant that God made with David, the, the covenant that is fulfilled in his very life, for, for he is the ultimate king, the son of David, whose, whose throne will endure forever, whose reign will stretch from shore to shore, beyond the borders of Israel, and who is the firstborn, the ruler of all creation. But in verse 38 to 45, Jesus Christ, the Davidic king, is rejected. He is abandoned on the cross. The very king that God had anointed with his spirit is now cast off. God's wrath was vented on him. Disdained, scorned, left in disgrace. The defenses of the anointed were gone. For God himself, his defender, had torn them down and rendered him defenseless. All who passed by mocked at him. He became the scorn of his neighbors. The God who was supposed to exalt his king instead exalted his enemies. He like gave, gave the victory to those who hated him. And on the cross, Yahweh gave up his king to death and disgrace. And so the cry of the psalmist and, and our anguish cry is ultimately the cry of Jesus. How long, O oh Lord? How long? How long will you abandon me? How long will you fail to act? How long will your wrath burn like fire? How long before you show yourself faithful and fulfill your promise? Verse 47 says, Remember how fleeting is my life with what futility you created, all men. (coughs) What man can live and not see death and save himself from the power of the grave? If God did not act, then the life of his king would have been short and useless. Soon he would be in the grave. 49-50, 49-50, O Lord, where is your former love, which in your faithfulness you swore to David? Remember, Lord, how your servant has been mocked. How, my, how I bear in my heart the taunts of the nations, the taunts with which your enemies have mocked, O Lord, which, which they have mocked every step of your anointed one. You see, in the midst of his pain, of his turmoil, in his disgrace, in, his, in, in the midst of the mocking, what Jesus wants is the Father to remember him. God to notice his plight. To take action and save. The good news is that God did take action. The father did save his son. Yahweh did rescue his anointed one. He gave him up to death, yes. His life was indeed cut short as verse 45 says. But God did hear him. And God did remember his servant. How long, O Lord, the Messiah cries. And God's answer. Is three days. And on the third day. God raised him from the dead. What man can save himself from the power of the grave. The psalmist does. Friends there is one man. Whom God has raised from the grave. His anointed king. The Lord Jesus Christ. And friends that shows us. That no matter how bad things are. No matter what things seem. No matter how unlikely or impossible it is. God always, always, always keeps his promises. And no matter what happens, we can trust in his steadfast love. And like the risen Jesus, we can echo the words of verse fifty-two. Praise be to the Lord forever. Amen. And amen. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for your steadfast love, your loyal love that never ceases. We thank you for the promises that you've given us in Jesus. We thank you how for how you've fulfilled all your Old Testament promises in him and and we can rest secure in your, in your goodness and your steadfastness and your faithfulness. Father, in the times when it seems like you're not there, in the times when it seems like you're not keeping your promises, in the times when it seems like we can't see how how all things can be working together for our good. Lord, we, we pray that you'll help us to, to trust you, to be able to cry out to you, how long, oh Lord, and to keep on engaging with you, to keep on calling out to you. And Father, we pray that you'll help us to keep on looking at Jesus, keep on going back to the cross, on remembering what you've done and raising him from the dead so that we can continue to love you and trust you and continue to bless your name no matter what happens. And we pray this in Jesus' name.